This is Gary Childers from the Triangle Novell Users Group here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and this is Novell Open Audio. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects Novell users with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Ted Hager, and today Novell Open Audio brings you a feature interview with the developers who are making the Novell client for Linux. We also introduce you to a new segment called News from Novell Support. Before we get into our interviews today, i got to address something in the press. One of the big things that bothers me in the trade rags is how somebody can just say something and it suddenly becomes headline news. Uh, for instance, recently Peter Quinn, the CIO or former CIO of Massachusetts, the one who had uh, wisely chosen to put the state on the direction of using open document format, made the statement at Linux World apparently that uh, something about the Sandal and Ponytail set may be cramping Linux adoption. Well, I think it got blown out of proportion in the press, and now you see these headlines coming out from like CNET and things like that that say Sandal and Ponytail set cramping Linux adoption. And my question on this one when I see this is, okay, maybe there's a couple false premises going on here. First of all, is Linux adoption actually being cramped, or is it going about the pace that we would expect a new technology and a new paradigm to come in and start replacing an entrenched one? I think it's actually going at a pretty good pace on that. And the other part, though, is are Linux people actually sandal and ponytail set? I mean, maybe the, maybe the article is uh, a little bit more focused here on uh, talking about the business appearances of people and things, but the sandal and ponytail set, I, I think this... that. I have no tolerance from here. I'm a little bit perturbed. It's time to make some phone calls. Hello? Uh, is this Aaron Bachover? This is. Hey, Aaron. It's Ted Hager at uh, Novellup and Audio. I got, I, can I ask you a couple quick questions? Sure. Uh, tell us about your footwear. What are you wearing? Um, shoes? Like what kind of sh- open toed sandals, maybe? No. Just, what what kind of shoes? Just shoes. Uh, tennis shoes. I don't know. Cross between tennis shoes and. All right. Maybe, maybe we're not going to find anything there. Shoes. My next question for you: Um, how long is your ponytail? Yeah, I don't have a ponytail. You you don't have a ponytail. You are I, an open I, source I, developer, right? You're you're the guy that's making Banshee. I am. Are you using Banshee right now? Are you listening to music? I am. Is it like, uh, say, Fish or maybe Blues Traveler or something like that, something hippie? <laughs> Not at all, Ted. No. All right. Well, all right, I'm on a mission. I'm trying to find out who this mythical ponytail sandals person is, and you're not it, Aaron. i got to go. Oh, okay. Thanks. Cheers. Yep. Is this Dave Camp? Yeah. Hey, Dave, uh, you're, you're, you were a maintainer for Nautilus, the file browser for uh, GNOME, for a while there, right? Yep. And you, today you're maintaining Hula, is that correct? Yeah. All right. Um, can you tell us about your hairstyle? Um, I don't really have one. I'm, I'm shaved bald. You're shaved bald? Yeah. All right. Um, how about your footwear? What are you wearing on your feet? Um, right now I'm wearing some, uh, some tennis shoes. Tennis shoes. All right. Um, so, okay, let's, let's, how about music? Are you listening, were you listening to music before answering the phone or anything? Uh, yeah. Okay, what were you listening to? Uh, band called Bloodbath. Bloodbath. 
yeah. and uh, what, what what kind of music is that? Uh, it's death metal. Death metal. Yeah. All right, Dave, you're not the you're not the droids I'm looking for. I gotta go. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye. Hi. Is this Anna Dirks? It is. Hey, Anna, this is Ted. Uh, I'm calling just to really, I'm on this quest right now. I'm trying to find out who the uh, Ponytail and Sandals set are on Linux. And I know that uh, you're working in the Linux desktop space on usability and that kind of stuff. And uh, the fact that you're female maybe gives me a chance here. Are you, what, what, tell me what you're wearing on your feet. <laughs> on my feet, I'm wearing business shoes. Business shoes? Yeah, appropriate for my business job. You know, they're, they're, Brown saddle shoes. Awesome. And, and well, in, in that case, let's see, because it sounds like you might be helping Linux, not hurting Linux. Do you have a ponytail? <laughs> no, I don't have a ponytail. Um, my hair is really short, Ted. My hair isn't more than an inch and a half long, so I, uh, I can't. Okay, well, I seem to be striking out everywhere I go. Uh, I can't find this mythical open source person who's got the sandals and ponytail. Anna, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Good luck, Ted. Cheers. Bye. And we're going to get a cool European-sounding ring on this one. Michael Meeks, how can I help? Hey, Michael Meeks. Uh, this is Ted Hager, Novella Open Audio. Um, since, since you're this... Yes. Cool. Since, what do you want? Since you're this dude that does a whole bunch of different stuff with Open Office, you're pretty much. I mean, I told you about the story about when I mentioned your name at the uh, Southern California Linux Expo, and there were actually woots in the crowd. They paid for, for blood, right? Uh, no, they, no they, they, they. People seem to like you and recognize you as an open source guy, and so it it, it brings a question up for me that I have to ask you. Right. What kind of footwear do you normally wear? Dude, that is an important question. I can see. Um. Right now, I'm wearing some uh, some slippers. Slippers, which are pretty good. You're at home right wearing... now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, on a normal business this day. Is, this is not because I kind of forgot I was wearing them as I walked out of my home, but I work from home. Okay. Oh. So it's kind of great. I walk upstairs. When um, you leave your home, like say you're going to go down to the pub or something, what yeah, would you wear I on your feet? And I still wear the slippers, but <laughs> mostly uh, I get I, I don't know what they're called. Uh, they're kind of uh, leathery. I do like shoes. Are they open toe? I think people that care too much about shoes, you know, they're in touch with their feminine side more than I am, I, I guess. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So no. would you normally wear sandals? That's my whole question. <laughs> no. In a word, no. No. Am I, am I supposed to? Uh, n well, I don't know. Maybe. You're an open source guy. The next question for you is, do you have a ponytail? No. Have you no, ever had a ponytail? I don't have a ponytail. Have you ever had one? Uh, nope. Okay. Nope. Um, you can understand why people have them, you know, because kind of having your hair cut is ridiculously expensive. So there are two approaches. You can either have it cut very short, and then it kind of grows out, or you can just let it grow, you know. And people approach this problem from both sides. They go for the very short and then let it grow rather than just, you know. Oh, so your, your hair is quite short then? Well, I, I guess it varies, you know, between a, a very short and intermediate length, yeah. Okay, well, I'm I'm looking for open source people that wear sandals and have ponytails. Do you know many of those kind of people, Michael? Uh, the ponytail thing is kind of hard to do. Uh, I know some people don't wear shoes. I guess that's not sandals. But uh, Liam Quinn, for example, is a very you know famous example of this. Um, very happy sort of chap, barefoot. Freeform feet is what you're saying. What's that? Freeform feet is what you're saying. 
Yeah, that sort of thing. You know, why be constrained by these, you know, Western linear sandal thinking, you know, when we can uh, <laughs> branch out into no footwear at all, you know? Okay, Michael, before you get too metaphys- metaphysical on me, I got to go, all right? I'm looking for this sandal-wearing, ponytail-wearing, freaky open-source person, and you're not it, pal. Damn. Well, <laughs> have a good time, dude. Enjoy. All right, thanks, Michael. All right, maybe maybe what we got to do here is call somebody who's not inside of Novell, somebody who's somebody who's in open source but outside of Novell. Hello. Hey, is this Jonah Bacon? It certainly is. Hey, Jonah, how's it going over there in England right now? Uh, not bad, Ted. Not bad, although I'm not really in England at the moment. Where are you? Um, I'm at uh, I'm at Redmond actually, near Seattle. And- you're you're in red. Tell me you're not at Microsoft right now. Uh, I have to confess to you that yes, I'm I'm in the belly of the beast at the moment. I'm currently at the campus in Redmond. It's quite a big place as well. What's what, quite interesting. What's it like there? What what, what I'm, I've never been up there. It's all right, you know. The walls are bleeding and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's a massive kind of huge campus and loads of people wandering around and people walking around. Barefoot, that kind of stuff. It's quite interesting. I'm sorry. What'd you say? What'd you say they're wearing? They, well, there's, to be honest with you, it's a, uh, it's a bit like a Grateful Dead convention up here. I've seen uh, lots of ponytails and sandals. And Would you shut up? Do you do you know why I'm calling you at all? No. Oh, okay. So I decided that we had to call outside of Novell in order to figure out where the sandals and ponytail set of these Linux open source people are. And you're saying that they're actually at Microsoft? You know, it's it, it's pretty crazy. There's it's it really is like it really is like pretty much like Woodstock here. There's there's, there's ponytails galore, beards, sandals, tie dye t shirts. You know, it's everything you could possibly imagine. Oh, man. Okay. <clears throat> well, Jono, we we got to get on with a, a real inquiry here. Are you <laughs> wearing a ponytail? Me? No, of course not. No. Um, I've got uh, devilishly handsome short hair, um, a cool goatee beard, a and cook. I'm wearing shoes. If, if I recall correctly, your cool, cool goatee beard, if, if you were to put a little rubber band around it, it could be a ponytail <laughs> or a pony chin. I'm not, I'm not sure what you'd say. Well, um you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat, Ted. Are, are, are you wearing the Birkenstocks, man? Are you are you wearing the Birkenstocks? No. <laughs> All right, man. No. Well, I'm 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 looking I'm looking cool, handsome, and English. So you know, the ladies, I'm gonna have to beat them off with a stick. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever the point was that we were trying to prove, you, you I think you might have done something grand for us. Okay. Thanks a lot, Jonah. <laughs> If everybody in the open source community looks as cool as me, we'd, we'd be on five. We'd be further along five years. <laughs> All right. I got to go, Jono. <laughs> Take care, Ted. Bye. So the moral of the story is that open source developers and open source advocates are not necessarily sandals and ponytail set types. They uh, come from all walks of life. They come from all around the world. And uh, when you get right down to it, the people that do software of any form are going to be of varying degrees of formality. A lot of geeks dress like geeks, and it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're on Microsoft's campus or if you're at Novell's campus, if you're at Red Hat's campus. All over the world, people are going to be people. They're going to be from diverse walks of life. To categorize them as ponytail sandal types is kind of weird, and I think it's uh, it's 
indicative of what the trade rags a lot of times do with just a simple off-the-cuff remark that somebody might make, somebody with good intentions, and how it becomes blown out of proportion. Some of the castigating comments that have been put onto this article about Peter Quinn, who didn't really deserve to have this uh, done to him, uh, were, were kind of unfair comments. And so, the moral of the story, I guess, once again, people are going to be coming from all walks of life. And yes, if you want to bring Linux into business, you got to have a certain business appearance. The end. Let's get into our interviews today. Our feature interview is about Novell Client for Linux. Tens of thousands of organizations worldwide use either NetWare or Open Enterprise Server for their back-end infrastructure, including making file storage and print, uh, printing access, shared printing, available to their end users. Many of these organizations have told Novell that in order to start using Linux and embracing it as a desktop OS, they have to have a way for those desktop Linux systems to connect to their back-end Novell infrastructure. Um, these many of our these people that are saying this, many of them are our Novell Open Audio listeners, and this has been an oft-requested topic that we've had for Novell Open Audio since we started this program. So, on the case is our contributing reporter for Novell Infrastructure Connectivity, Caitlin Yans. Hi, my name's Caitlin, and we're in the studio today with Jason Williams, and we're going to have a chat about the Novell client for Linux. So, Jason, many of us will be familiar with the Novell client for Windows and its feature set. What differences can users and admins expect in comparison to the Novell Client for Linux? Well, actually, they're going to expect very little difference between the Novell Client for Linux and the Novell Client uh, for Windows and how it runs. In essence, they want to log in, uh, choose a directory tree, choose a context, uh, use the same username and password that they've used for logging into NetWare forever or into Open Enterprise Server. It'll work exactly the same way. Things like login script processing, drive mapping, everything else works precisely as it does and has always worked on Windows. Wow, so they'll get a very similar experience. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no problems there. Anyone making the transition to the Novell client on Linux is going to have no problems using it. Great. So I hear there's some cool new features that will be coming out in the 1.2 version of the client. Can you tell us a bit about a couple of those? Yeah, sure. Actually, we've got some enhanced login script support. And we've had really good login script support already to the point where you don't have to modify any of your login scripts uh, to get them to run. But there were some things that people said, well, it would be cool if you could do this and cool if you could do that. So we made some big changes to the way that the login script processing works to make it work even better. Uh, also, adding the ability, and this is the real big one, by the way. We got this at BrainShare, and we got this from everybody saying, it would be great if I could log in to like, my Linux desktop and automatically log in to the Novell network at the same time. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. Uh, absolutely. Same as you can on Windows, right? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we're doing in the next version of the client. So KDE or GNOME, doesn't matter what you're running, log into your desktop, username and password, and it background authenticates straight into the network. Uh, good thing is, if you're a laptop user as well, we're not going to prevent you logging in. It'll log into the desktop, and if it can't make a connection to the network, eventually it will just pop up in the background saying, hey, I couldn't log in, but you can still access your files and work. There's no checkboxes or anything else you have to tick. Oh, cool. Wow, that sounds really good. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Sled 10, the new desktop uh, from Novell, will be fully supported as well. So that'll be excellent. So anybody going out there getting a copy of Sled 10, either through their maintenance agreement, upgrading from NLD9 or through the open workgroup suite, uh, will be able to go ahead and install the client on SLED 10 and, and use it as they could do on SUSE Pro and NLD9 at the moment. Cool. Yeah, I think it's uh, finally we added a, a new feature, which was we already had the purge files option uh, in, the, in the red N down in the tray there, but we had now added the ability to go salvage files from NSS volumes as well. 
So really, I think right now we've we've actually caught up with every single feature we had uh, on the network client for Windows that made sense and actually put them straight into the Linux client as well. Cool. Wow. So previously there were like separate clients for like SUSE 9.3 and SUSE 10 and NLD 9, but I hear that going forward that's just going to be the one client platform. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We're going to have a single install, so it doesn't matter what are the what dis- supported distribution you're running. Uh, that's uh, going to be SUSE Pro 10 and SLED 10. You'll be able to just grab the client and install, and it will know what distribution it's running on, and then happily install itself on there. So you won't have to think, oh, which version of the client was it I actually wanted to install? It'll go ahead and go ahead and work that one out for you. Oh, that sounds really cool. So currently the client is in beta. Um, if customers want to download the latest build to test, where can they go and get it from? Well, it's uh, the standard place where we post all their betas, which is uh, beta.novell.com. Um, go on there, hit the uh, public beta link, and they should see builds of the uh, Novell Client 1.2 sitting out there. Uh, and we refresh that periodically, uh, so check it often uh, just to make sure you're getting the latest build. And we're into a full beta program. Uh, so uh, keep checking that as we put the new builds out there. Cool. So one of our BrainShare mini-segment questions was that when is the new client slated to be shipped? Do we have any ETA on that? Yeah, you know something? It's going to be shipped when it's ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Uh, we're getting real close. I mean, the fact that we're into, into, into beta and allowing people to download it and run it means we're, we're doing really well. Uh, I would expect we will release um, just after around the time that SLED 10 ships uh, in a couple of months here. Uh, so we're getting very, very close. Yeah. So I know everybody's chomping at the bit and really wants this because it's got the things they need. But you know, it's like uh, just wait, a few, just wait a couple of months, and you'll be able to get a hold of that and run it. Cool. So um, I installed the Novell client for Linux um, the other week, and it went without a hitch. But after talking to one of my support colleagues, I hear that the install seems to catch some users up. Have we got any pointers um, that could possibly help people out to have a smoother install experience? You know, I'd say one of, the, one of the, the main things is to make sure that you have the kernel sources installed. I mean, it's part of the standard distribution package. You can install the source for the kernel. And also make sure you have GCC and make. And the these things are very easy to find in Yast. You can just do a search uh-huh. uh, for kernel source, GCC, make, and install those things. <clears throat> to be fair with you, though, the, the biggest place to make sure you get all the pointers and hints you need is go look at the documentation. Hit novell.com slash documentation. Just look for the Novell client for Linux. Go there, and it has everything you need from both an end user and administrator point of view. So all the hints, all the tips, all the stuff you need on the workstation, things to make it work properly, everything you need to know right there. So uh, I definitely encourage people to go visit uh, the uh, documentation website to get all the latest stuff. Mm, sounds cool. So I hear that auto-connecting, um, oh, sorry, auto-reconnecting is a functionality that, that many users depend on. I understand the Novell client for Linux is pretty good at it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Let's face it, if you're running something like Novell Cluster Services or DFS Junctions, uh, auto-reconnect is something that, that is really crucial. An example would be, uh, example one is like a laptop user. Uh, you've disconnected from the LAN, you've gone to a meeting, you've swapped to wireless, and then you go back to your office, connect back into local area network. Well, what happens is the client will automatically reconnect all the resources back up as soon as you plug in the LAN connection. It'll do a refresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest one, really, though, is when you're doing something like Novell Cluster Services. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, you're doing a Novell Cluster Services cluster, and you know, something happens to the server, there's a hardware failure or a power outage, or you, know, you lose a net, uh, network card or something. Resources will fail over to another server in the cluster, or your client will follow those resources, automatically reconnect, and even save the state you were in. So it'll be like a seamless experience for the user? End users don't have to do anything. Cool. There, there's absolutely no end user interaction required. So that, that auto-reconnect facility is very cool. And absolutely, it's supported fully in the client for Linux. So after I've installed the client, um, how do I configure it? Is it the same 
is under Windows where you sort of right-click on the end in your system tray and then go to the Nobel Client Properties? You know, it's actually really, really close. Again, you can right-click on that uh, red end and you get a System Settings. And what that does is that brings up uh, Yast, the yet another setup tool. The reason we've done that is that um, Yast is really like control panel for Windows. Uh -huh. It's the control panel for the entire system. <clears throat> It made sense for us to make sure that we kept the same paradigm on Linux that everyone is used to when they're dealing with a, a SUSE Linux box. So you can go in there and all the settings that you had, you know, like NMAS, tree, uh, context, directory DNS settings, or DNS, SLP, SLP uh -huh. everything's in there. Um, the great thing about it is that the end user can get access to those things, but the administrator can also get access to those things. They can set them centrally, feed them down to workstation, and even lock out a user from making any changes. Uh, and again, best place to go for information there is a documentation website. There's a whole host of options uh, that people can, that the administrators can use uh, to make life a lot easier for their clients. Well, that sounds pretty good. So one thing that I, th I think is really cool is the ability to be able to name a drive mapping to whatever you want. You know, like you could put a string and have it as, as whatever you like. Yeah, that, that's really neat. Obviously, Windows has this whole monolithic concept of naming drive mappings. So, so they, you, know, you map a drive, drive mapping to a group volume or group directory, and it ends up as G drive, G colon, mm. which, which is okay, but it doesn't mean anything. Uh, on Linux, you're not restricted to that. So yeah, you can still get that drive mapping that just turns up as a shortcut to G in your home directory. But instead, um, you can put in the um, if percent %OS% percent Linux in a login script, and then you can ma instead map it to G. You can say, yeah, map this to something like group share or group files. Or rather than P drive, you can say personal files or N drive for network files. So well, that'll really, make it a lot easier for end users. It's a damn sight easy to find something. It really yeah. is. It means that you have a real name sitting in your home directory, and you really see what that means. Uh, particularly for people that um, may, may not have used the Novell client in the past, or are moving over from Windows, it makes it way, way simpler for them to find the files that they really need. Yeah, I could imagine that it would. So we have a couple questions from one of the guys at the Newmark School District. He says that he's got um, classrooms when the users go to between five and eight different classrooms a day, and he's wondering if there are any options for roaming users. So right now, the, the actual Novell client itself does not necessarily have the, the same roaming user concept. However, in, in the Linux desktop, you have this ability in NLD9 and SUSE Pro uh, to do LDAP authentication. So one of the things you could do is have the client loaded up on each of the machines mm. and then turn on LDAP authentication at the desktop. What it will do is it will go out and do a simple LDAP authentication to e-directory. So it can still use the same username and password. It will do an e-directory login and then, of course, present them with their desktop. They can fire up the red N and get logged in uh, to Novell Network through uh, the Novell client. Of course, with, um, with SLED 10 and the new client, SLED 10 has an option for e-directory authentication. And then the new client on top of SLED 10, you can do both simultaneously. So now you can log into the desktop and log into the network through the Novell client, one username, one password, one time. And yeah, all, really all done without having to go around to all the users. So absolutely take a look at the, the LDAP authentication and uh, should help them out a lot there. That sounds really good. So the Conqueror plugin is, is close to perfect, but the Nautilus plugin seems to be lagging a little bit behind. Have there been any changes to the Nautilus plugin recently? Oh, absolutely. In fact, we're, we're making a lot of changes to, uh, to the way the Nautilus plugin works in GNOME because obviously it's, uh, people <coughs> we support either desktop. We don't, we don't really care what people run. It's GNOME or KDE. It's entirely up to them. It's not really down to me to tell people what to do. So, yeah, the GNOME plugin is getting some really cool features, and it'll be right up there. Uh, with the, um, the Conqueror plugin uh, in the very near future. 
That sounds great. So going forward, what other things can we expect from the Novell client for Linux? Well, obviously, we'll be taking a look at the new desktops from Novell. So obviously, Sled 10 is coming out later this year, and there's SUSE 10 Pro as well. Obviously, there'll be new updates to um, both GNOME and KDE and new updates to the desktop. So we'll be keeping a really careful eye on those to see where we're heading, to see if there's any new features in there that we can leverage to make the client even better still. After all, our concept now is to is not just to keep the client at a static status quo with whatever happens on Windows. The idea is to take a look at what the Linux desktop is doing through things like the betterdesktop.org initiative and take advantage of those things so we can build a better client on Linux than we could ever do before. Not only that, we're taking a look at 64-bit. That's the AMD 64, EM64T chips from Intel mm-hmm. and AMD, obviously. Um, right now, 32-bit is the predominant platform, but 64-bit's up and coming, so we're taking a look at that right now, and there will be a 64-bit version of the client. So uh, I know there's people that email me saying, when am I going to get one? <laughs> I can tell them we're actually working on it. Can't give you a ship date yet because we're concentrating on the 32-bit for the initial release because that's the thing that people use the most. That makes sense. Okay. Well, that sounds really great. Well, thanks for joining us today, Jason. We hope to talk to you again. All right. Thanks, Galen. Today we introduce a new segment on Novell Open Audio called News from Support, and for the job we've decided to call in the mayor. That's a third-level Linux support guru and the architect who overhauled the backup technology in NetWare 6.5, Dave Mayer. We'll note also that this is April 12th that this information pertains to. Dave, welcome to the show. What do we got from support? Thank you, Ted. Since Brinchair, there have been uh, 50 TIDs. I was surprised to see so many when I checked this morning. If you want to find out uh, the most recent TIDs at support.novell.com, just go to the knowledge base and do a search and sort the results by date. For these ones, I did a search for Linux and uh, sorted them by date, so 50 all the way back to uh, Brainshare. And uh, the first one, probably the most important one, is a security update for Clam Antivirus, and uh, that fixes an integer overflow in the portable executable header parser. And the reason that's important is the portable executable header executable header is the header on Win32 binaries, Windows programs, and that's a good thing to have working right for antivirus software these days. And uh, NLDAP binds to all available interfaces. Uh, this one is TID 10097785. If you install uh, Novell's eDirectory services on Solaris Linux AIX and HPUX, you'll find that you can configure eDirectory uh, and NCP to support be supported on any interface of your choosing, but you can't configure LDAP to be on an interface of your choosing. It will bind to all available interfaces. An enhancement request has been submitted to development for that, but in the meantime, don't forget there are great filtering features in uh, products like Linux, and uh, you can go ahead and set up an IP tables filter that will give you the same effect. So in other words, you just sort of shut down the LDAP uh, component from going to other interfaces it can't go to? Yeah, and you got to love that. Uh, one of these days soon I'm going to blog about how cool IP tables is and how easy it is to set up uh, filters on it. Um, mount more than eight loopback devices. By default, uh, SUSE kernel builds uh, so only support eight loopback devices, loop zero through loop seven. If you want to have more, then uh, add max underscore loop equals whatever number you want uh, to the kernel boot parameters and create the uh, dev nodes uh, when you get up into the server. And there's a great frequently asked question fact document for uh, patching open enterprise server with rug and red carpet. It gives you all the information you need to know in getting automatic updates for your open enterprise servers. Uh, where can you get an evaluation code? Which one should you use, rug or red carpet? Why don't I see services listed? 
and a whole bunch of other questions that will help you get those automated updates working. One or more NFS mount errors during SLES 9 boot. This one's just cosmetic. A little irritating. You look at uh, the, the boot logger and you discover that uh, there's a bunch of NFS mount errors. NICs sometimes take a while to initialize and uh, the mount statements that mount the file system come before the NIC is completely initialized and you get these uh, error messages, but they're really just uh, um, cosmetic and if you find that once the server's up, you have no problems there. And a couple of just interesting documents that uh, I discovered. Moving a post office to Linux, there's an excellent document document from the GroupWise guys describing how to uh, move netware post offices to Linux. whole bunch of interesting uh, uh, sections in it, including links to lots of other great documents giving all sorts of different scenarios. And one written by the guy in the next office to mine, uh, Randy Goddard, along with Carl Lloyd and Darcy Partridge, describing how to leverage Novell Open Enterprise Server and the directory as a file protocol gateway in Central Identity Store. What that means is, if you're familiar with the NFS gateway product for Netware, this provides exactly the same feature. You put a Linux box in front of NFS storage and use eDirectory for authentication and uh, expose NFS-only storage to end users using Windows desktops, using protocols that Windows supports, so no need to install an NFS client on Windows. The in-the-box sys client gives you access to NFS storage. And then the uh, two uh, more humorous examples, just to show that we in support have a little bit of a sense of humor. Uh, iFolder user has been dissociated with their data and their iFolder account. I looked at that and I thought, that's me. That's deliberate. That's the IS department. They look at the way I use iFolder. I'm so addicted to it that uh, they're turning me off and telling me that there's some bug and they're probably going to have to wait a while to get it fixed. Uh, so that's a, that's a fairly simple one. Uh, in fact, it's a uh, there is a bug, and uh, there's uh, a bunch of uh, explanations there on how to restore that feature. But uh, I'm not so sure. I got my doubts. I that's think pretty just... much just uh, the the LDAP connection or something like that, where that's the user right. no longer is the user is right. no longer known to the iFolder server. That's right. Really simple little LDAP problem. But like I say, I'm not sure. I believe it. I think they're turning me off. And if you've ever seen that uh, urban legend about uh, someone thinking a mouse was a foot pedal for their computer. I discovered one of those in the uh, TID uh, today, TID 10100868. Uh, install program exit code is 139. And this was with SLES 9. If you do an install, you get this uh, exit code error, uh, 139. And the fix, make sure your install media is the, for the same architecture as you're installing on. So don't make x86 CDs with x64 CDs. Uh, I'm thinking whoever called in with that one deserves their money back for giving us a laugh today. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, thanks very much for coming in and giving us the update. Uh, you mentioned that you blog. You're one of the cool bloggers, right? So That's right. Yep. I just did a blog yesterday, wrote up uh, one of my experiences last week with my home network, which is nearly all Linux. It's heading towards all Linux. And uh, I had some problems where my web server was down. I just opened SSH the day before on the firewall. And my first chance to use SSH tunnels, and I was able to get in securely and privately into my home network and do all of the uh, reconfiguration that was necessary to get my web server back up and running from the comfort of my office. I was very impressed. Very cool. And that's, that's actually got practical use for anybody that manages a network. Then. Absolutely. 
All right, so Dave's blog can be found at www.novell.com forward slash cool blogs, and we will link to it directly from the show notes for this episode of Novell Open Audio. Also, all of the technical information documents or TIDs or TIDs that uh, Dave talked about on this, we will also link to each one of those, so you'll have a full table of the links that he's talked about. Plus, you can also go to support.novell.com and search for whatever the latest TIDs are. Dave, thanks very much for joining us and giving us the quick update. Thank you, Ted. My pleasure. And that's our show for today. Remember that Novell Open Audio is a production of Novell and Novell Users International. Our program content is driven by the feedback and suggestions of our listeners. You can request topics that you want to hear at www.novell.com forward slash open audio. You can leave us a voicemail or if you're chicken, you can send us an email. And while you're there, remember to rate this show and any of our past editions. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>